everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So walking through Walmart or Target makes it very clear what time of the year it is. It's hard to believe this, but it is getting into summer, and that summertime, we're coming to the end, right? We're in August now, and you know what that means, back to school. You go through Walmart, you see all the pencils and erasers, and you see all the protractors, and then as parents, you get the supply list, and you get your supply list, and then you take out a small loan to try to pay for all of the supplies you need to do. And you go down, you check off all these things. You're like, why do we need this? I hope this is important. And you fill your cart and you are now in debt and have paid a ton of money for your kids to get to school. And this time of year, it's exciting, but for teachers and students, we're holding on to the last bits of summer, like we all are, right? Summer in Wisconsin, we get like you know six weeks and it's gone. So we are now at that time, high school, elementary school, middle school, it's all starting to kick back off again. And one of the things that at this time of year, right, with all this Friday Night Lights, football teams are starting to come back, right? One of the things that I always think about is is my adventure in high school. I had lots of adventures. Uh, As you could probably uh, guess, I have gone through a lot of things. And one of the things in high school, I had so many different memories, things that helped kind of shape who I am today. One of those memories came as little freshman Jason. Now, let me set up the scenario for you because you have to understand, um, I was in a weird phase. I would wear black Z Cavarici pants. This was the early 90s, so black Z Cavarici was super cool. And if you grew up at that time, you know what I meant. And then you'd peg your pants, which would roll our pant legs up. And I'd wear black with black shoes with a black turtleneck, Uh, I guess... I was kind of like Steve Jobs before he was cool, right? I was just all black, and I was super emo before the word emo was even out. Listen to real depressing music all the time, like Depeche Mode and The Cure. I was in this weird phase as a freshman going into school. I remember I was terrified. How do I fit in? Who am I, and how do I find myself in this next four years of life? Well, little freshman Jason gets at school, and I'm trying to find my way, and then I saw her walking down the hallway. Annette was one of the cheerleaders, and she was simply amazing. She had huge, poofy hair. Uh, Her hair was just like the big 80s, 90s, like held up with like eight cans of Aquanet. Um, And to my eyes, the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life. And so I took the chance. Little Jason took a chance. I asked her out, said, hey, would you be my girlfriend? Which meant, hey, can I call you on the phone? And can I pass you notes in class? That's pretty much all it meant. And she said, yes. And so notes back then, if, if you weren't from that time, we, we used to write our notes out and don't do this. This is what we did during class. So we'd write our notes out, what we liked, what we didn't like, what was going on that night, when practices were, teachers, blah, blah, blah. We would just talk to our friends, and then we'd fold them up in cool like little paper triangles or squares, and we'd write their name on them. And so when you were in the hallway in the 90s, and someone came up to you and handed you a note, that was like pure euphoria. And when you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend, 
you definitely want to get those notes. And sure enough, I got one. So Annette was coming by. She gave me one of the notes, and I saw the note, and on it was S-W-A-K, which meant sealed with a kiss. So my little heart, my innocent little Jason heart was just like pounding through my chest, and I'd read it. i get to class. i open it up. I don't know what the teacher was saying at the time. I got a note, and I read it, and on it, I saw the words that everybody wants to hear. I love you. Okay, to be fair, it's only been a couple of weeks, but it said, I love you. She loved me. She doesn't know much about me, but she loves me. And so I'm just just out of my mind excited about the fact that I am loved. And so I'm writing notes, right? So you go right back to it, um, and I write her a note back, and of course I say to her, and I love you too. I was in love. And so this happened, and we're passing these notes, and we'd talk on the phone, and his words, I love you, would just start coming out of us. It was like I finally found my voice. This is what I'm created for. I'm created to love and be loved, and I am so in love with Annette. So I see her coming in class. We get our notes, and I was going to take that big step. I'm going to ask her to note to homecoming. Homecoming was coming. And so if I could ask her to the dance as a freshman, It'd be huge because she was a sophomore, so much older than I was. So I'm so excited when I, I was going to ask her, and I'm getting all ready, and I've got a note set for her, and, but I see her passing, and I didn't have the note with me, but she had one for me, but she didn't look very happy. And so she gave me the note and walked on. I'm like, okay, well, hey, see you later, and took my note, and I get in the class, and I open my heart thumping, and I read it. To set this up well, you have to understand that this was my algebra class. And algebra is not my friend. If you're a math wizard, that's great. Good for you. I'm terrible at math. And I swear, and I don't say this, I swear my teacher just hated me. It was just not a good class for me. He was just rough and wasn't very sympathetic just to set things up. So I open up this test, open up my note. I sit down in class. My friends are like, oh, you got a note from Annette. And I start to read And you see the things you don't ever want to see. This isn't working out. It's not you, it's me. We need to break up. So here I am sitting in this class in which I don't feel my teacher likes me. I don't know what to do. My friends, like, oh, you got a note. And I just started to cry. My tender little freshman Jason Hart just got squished and crushed, and I was just welling up, and I started to weep. Now, this isn't your typical, I'm crying. This was a sobbing, deep weeping. And so all I could do was put my head down because I'm just wailing in this point. The entire class turns to look at me, and my friends are giggling and laughing at me, and my teacher takes notice. He says from the front of the class, you need to get your head up. He didn't allow anyone to put their heads down in class. Nobody falls asleep, right? So he says, Montana, get your head up. And I'm, and, and I'm just weeping, right? And so I, I, I can't, right? And he comes, he's yelling at me, because get your head up. And the only words I could mutter out of my mouth were the words, no. And then the crowd erupts in laughter, or the class erupts in laughter. He just takes me, I'm out in the hallway, and I've got to go to the principal's office because I said no to him, but he isn't looking that I'm weeping and crying and that my heart was crushed. 
And this was my first experience with love. That was it. That was the first time my heart had been given away to have it torn apart, ripped up, and put back into my chest. I don't know about you and your experiences, but I think we all have experiences. We have experiences that were good and healthy and some that were not. And it seems like the longer we go in life, the more years that we live, our experiences start to mount up to build into something that we are going to define love by. Now, my first experience was one that was painful. I've had more in my life that were positive. I also had a lot that were negative and makes me timid, not willing to be able to be honest or real or share my heart with people. So for this series, this summer love, summer love series, we're going to explore love a little different. Love is something we talk about it so much. It's all over the media. It's, it's in our lives. We have this internal desire to love and be loved. But in this series, we're going to look at love just a little bit differently. I want us as a family to look at love through the eyes of God. Now, we can say that flippantly and like, oh yeah, I know God loves me and Jesus loves me. We say things and if you're new to your faith walk, maybe that's one of the first things that you heard about was that God loves you. But when you have a broken, tainted, messed up definition of love, it's going to give you a messed up, broken definition of God. And the reason why is the Bible says that God is love. So if God is love, but our definition of love is someone continually breaking our heart, people who said they loved us and and didn't, people who left us when they promised they'd never leave our side, friends who betray us, deep groups of friends maybe that all turn their back on you, which is a common story in our high school and young days where you feel betrayed, you feel broken. What does God say about love? So from this, we're going to explore this in this series. What is truthfully love? What is love? So for today, we're going to explore 1 John 3, 16 through 20. So I encourage you to open that in your Bibles or your Bible apps. Uh, If you don't have the Bible app, it's a free, there's so many great apps out there. Uh, I encourage you to grab that onto your phone that have reading plans. But grab uh, something to read along, Bible apps or whatever you have, 1 John 3, 16 through 20. And we're going to explore what the word says about love. It says this, this is how we know what love is. So there we go. We've got the definition, super simple right there. And we skip by this. I don't, how many times have you heard this, right? This is what we know what love is. It says this, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Or in other words, for others that we are supposed to give our life away for other people. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but in actions and in truth. So let's explore this a little bit to see what actually is happening. What is the author telling us? We know love by the story of Jesus. Love begins by this whole concept that in the beginning we have created this huge mess of sin But God has now provided a way for us to have relationship with him because he loves us. We can't do anything to earn it. In fact, 
We keep messing up the system, but God provided the way for us to have relationship, but it cost Jesus his life. And not only a life, he was brutally murdered when he did nothing wrong. He was beaten and he was hung on a cross because that's what we are supposed to have for the penalty of sin. And that penalty of sin was not only here dying, but our eternal spiritual death. So we know love is this, that Jesus Christ sacrificed everything to a group of people that don't deserve it. That is a very different definition of love because that definition of love creates a tension within us, right? If we think about this, somebody just gives to me and there's nothing I can do to earn it. It's just given freely. I don't have to be a good, awesome, loving partner back or that person's going to hold love from me, right? Those who are in relationships like that, you know what I'm saying, right? If I, if I love someone and then if I don't get love back, I, I'm going to hold it back from you. This is different. This is, I'm just going to keep pouring love your direction and there's literally nothing you can do to earn it or deserve it because I'm sacrificing everything for you. Totally different than what our world says. Completely different from the dating scene. Whatever app you're using to swipe left, swipe right, swipe up, swipe down. Totally different scene than what the world is telling us love is. So it's clear, it's obvious why we have such confusion over this concept of love because we don't talk about love in its very core being sacrificial. In fact, we do a lot of premarital here and relationship counseling in Mosaic. And one of the things that I always note is that when people fall in love, okay, they use We've fallen in love. We know some of this, but hear me out. We fall in love. What they really are saying is that they are highly attracted to that person, both physically, they are very interested in that person, in their, their abilities and their habits or whatever. They mesh well with mine, and I like spending time and being with you. In the core of our definition of falling in love, sacrifice is not in it. And really, this is where it gets really messy, right? The, in the middle of this, the core of what we're saying is that love now feeds me what I need to fill my love tank. So if I fall in love, this person is filling my life with something that makes me feel good. It fills this need to be loved. However, most relate. Now, there's been some. Most relationships, I'll say this, very rarely come in seeing my job is to give and expect nothing in return. Truthfully, when they come in, they come in and say this, I, uh, I am here to give and receive. We're going to go back and forth. And where broken relationships start, and this is the part where it's hard for us, we work through this, broken relationships start when one is giving and the other is not giving back. And so when one is going out, I no longer love you. You are not helping me. I don't feel loved. But love in the definition of the scriptures is that it goes out and nothing is expected back. It is sacrifice. So it's, love is defined for all of us. We have to love the same way. So Jesus says this, it's sacrifice, and it says this, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. 
or in terminology for humanity, for others. So we give our life away the same way Christ gave his life for us. That, again, is not the definition of love that we have today. Because love in its core really sees it like this. We have to be so humble at the core of who we are that we are willingly giving away constantly with radical generosity love to those who cannot, may not be able to ever pay us back. Love is one direction. If I love like God, it's going this way. It's not reflected back to me sometimes. And I'm sure you have people like that in your life. If you've loved people well, they're hard people to love, we say sometimes. Meaning, they are just like a sponge. They take and they don't return. But what if our definition of love was flipped and our definition of love now says this, that I am going to give and expect nothing back. When I got those notes from Annette, you know, my thought and my heart was this, I want to get love and I want to give love. I want to get and I want to give. And really this relationship between the two of us is getting and giving. But I want to be real honest. Let's just be real honest right now. Truthfully, it's this. I want to get. I want to get. I want, I want to be loved. I want to be taken care of. I want, I want, I want. I need, I need, I need. I want it to flow in my direction. But God's love, get this idea, flows differently. And so when we love like God, we sacrifice and we're willing to give our lives, everything for the sake of others. It's crazy. It's crazy. We all hate selfish people, right? We hate people who are selfish. We hate people, or that hate's a strong word, we just have struggle with, right? We struggle with people who are selfish and don't return things. But at the same time, don't we honestly do some of that in our own lives? Just maybe looks different than that person you're frustrated with. But we do it too. Because we're selfish. We're selfish about a lot of things, right? I, I want for me, and I don't look out necessarily for others. And here, the definition of love is an outward focus, not only on the people that I like, but the people who are everywhere around me, loving, giving, serving, sacrificing. But let's keep reading on because this idea of love comes from multiple areas in the scriptures, but Paul talks about it. He's writing a letter to the church in Philippi. We call it the Philippians is the name of the book in the Bible. And he says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So in Philippians 2, 3, he gets this idea out here. Don't do things because you're trying to get stuff out of it. Instead, value others so much that you're constantly going out their direction. You're looking to the interests of others. If a marriage was made like this, think about this for a second. Let's just talk about marriage. If a marriage is built on a foundation that each member is self, selflessly and sacrificially pouring into the other, there would be a cascade of love that would be unbreakable. It'd be unbreakable. Something happens within us when we see love 
as I'm giving to have it ping-ponged back. I'm not saying that. I'm saying God's love. I'm giving expecting nothing. The other person is giving expecting nothing. And when the love comes, it is, you know it's a sacrificial love given out of the free will of that person's heart. Our love for others means we are continually finding great value in those around us, and our lives reflect it. Back in 2019, remember back then, in 2019, the media uh, was just buzzing with this story of Amber Geiger. If you weren't familiar with the story, Amber Geiger was a Dallas police officer who said she mistook a neighbor's apartment for her own. She messed up. She went into her neighbor's apartment, thought that someone was in her apartment, and took her gun and fatally shot him. And so she was on trial. And in this trial, his brother of the, uh, the brother of the man who was slain uh, went on the stand. He says this. It's just unbelievable. He encourages and challenges her to look to God for forgiveness. He says this. I love you as a person. I don't wish anything bad on you. But then he turns to the judge and says this. I don't know if this is possible, judge, but can I give her a hug? The, the judge now is crying. Everyone in this courtroom is crying. The judge said, you can. And he went up to the woman who slayed his brother and embraced her and said, I want you to know forgiveness that God gives. What in the world is that? This kind of love could only flow in the direction of Amber. She could not return the love to him. She had nothing to give. His sacrificial godlike love shook a nation. And then back in 2019, they were all talking about who is this. In fact, uh, on a show, uh, if you guys watch TV in the daytime, uh, The View, um, on there, Whoopi Goldberg was on there. And I, I just can't believe what she said. She says this, and she's not known for having necessarily you know, huge views of Christianity and stuff, but she says this. She says, they watched a video, says, now that is a Christian. That is a Christian. How many people call themselves that, but actually don't do it? Unbelievable crowd-stopping moment of one man shook a nation by simply saying, this is love. And love then started to be catapulted through this idea of we as believers, if we have God's love, shouldn't this be a common story in the news or a common story in our lives that's never going to be on the TV? But the people who hurt you the worst, you love the most. The people who break your heart the most, you pour out love to them. Unrequited love, it's given, it's not returned. Every time your heart is smashed, it is healed because you love because of God. It's put back in your chest to give out again to somebody out. Over and over and over again. This radical love is awesome. I, I don't have to be uh, Miss Captain Obvious here. Our world is so hungry right now for a love that looks a little bit different. Our world is so hungry for an idea to see what does real love look like. How do we know this? Friends, is not our culture doing everything it possibly can right now to find and be loved? We're doing everything looking in every direction, every possible way. How can I be loved? 
We're making up new definitions for it. We're going in all these different directions. And the definition for love is right here in the word of God. Sacrifice and give your life for others. But then the passage moves on back into our passage that we're in today in 1 John. It says this, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? This is a cool statement because this idea of seeing people in great need. Love is sacrifice, and I see people in great need. They, they can't even put food in their mouth. They, they can't get from point A to point B because they don't have transportation. Uh, they don't have clothes on there. Whatever it would be, they can't live their lives. They're struggling. They're in need. If the love of God is in us, our viewpoint should be we give everything we have in one direction. You're getting, you're getting it now, right? We expect nothing back. I give, and you can't return to me because that is love. And so we are challenged by John and saying this, you say you've got the love of God in you, but you don't even care that somebody needs? That's not God's love because God's love is sacrificial. So this passage is showing us over and over again, we need God's love and we can't return it back to him that he deserves. We say we love God, we try to love God, and we are our heart's desire but God's love flows so firmly in our direction when we didn't deserve it because Jesus Christ gave it all. That is love. This passage brings it all together at the end. John says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but in actions and in truth. Think about that sentence. Just don't talk about it. You actually have to do it. Remember the Back to my high school days, right? Going down the hallways. You see your friends, love you, bye. Love you, love you, bye. I love you, bye. You know, and you give a high five. And, you know, it's a word we just kind of use to say, see you later. You know, like, love you. How often has that word been used out of your mouth, which didn't really mean much? It just became a greeting or a goodbye or it became a word in which we use it to say something to make the person feel good, but we're actually not willing to do the work. That's the big thing, because love is work. Love is really hard work. It is sometimes heartbreaking hard work. And true love, as defined by God, is not a bunch of lip chatter. It's actually me doing what I say I believe. Do not love with words or tongue but in actions, let your words match what you're doing. You say you love, then you better give everything you have for that person. You say you love, you sacrifice. If you say you love, you give. This is God's definition of love because talk, my friends, is cheap. Yes, words are powerful. Words can give life. And I'm not saying don't say the words, I love you. I strongly encourage you to do it often and a lot. This is what I'm saying. Let your actions match it. If you love, then love with what you do. Let your words match your actions. And let your words of love, the word in truth, means brings us through this concept of what God has for us. The truth is the word of God. Let us love the way God loves. If we believe in a loving God and we believe that we are Christians in this world fighting and working towards love, 
that looks different, we have a job to do. We have to start changing the way we think, start looking at new ways of loving people. And loving people you don't necessarily like. That's a big one, right? Because Jesus talks about that too. He talks about how we love our friends. We love people who love us back. Jesus tells us to love our enemies. And if love is sacrifice, that means we sacrifice much for those who hurt us. This, this sermon alone, right? This, this, our time right here, this could be like an entire year-long exploration of just this idea of what does sacrificial love look like. It's a big, huge, monstrous idea and concept. So just a little bit of what does love look like. It looks like this. Daily sacrifice of your wants and desires with others' needs always above your own that results in an action called love. Let me say that again. Daily sacrifice of your wants and desires with others' needs above your own that result in action called love. Because that's the love that God gave us. That's the love that humanity is desperate for. And it's that kind of love, I believe with my whole heart, that will change the world. I believe with my whole heart. I, 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 I've seen a lot. I've been around a lot. I've been in ministry a long time. This is the love that changed the world. The love that changes the world is the love that gives, 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 sacrifices, sacrifices. It's not words. It's actually doing it. 1993, right in the middle of my high school days, a song came out that probably all of you know and are very, very familiar if you're around from that time. Even if you are born after that, I know you've heard it. The song, What is Love by Hadaway. This song, I mean, you had the head bobbing from Night at the Roxbury. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me, right? And now you're singing it. I know, you're singing in your head. Uh, what is love by Hadaway? That song was everywhere. It was in the clubs. It was, you know, on every radio station. It was such a huge, huge, huge song of the time. What is love? But I, <laughs> you ever pause to actually listen to the lyrics of it? So here I'm in my informative building brick days of my life. What is love comes on. I'm bopping. I'm singing. I don't even know what I'm saying. Listen to these words. What is love? Oh, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. What is love? No, I don't know why you're not fair. I give you my love, but you don't care. So what is right and what is wrong? Give me a sign. Gah. What is love? The author here is struggling and working through this concept of like, I want to love you, but you are just crushing my soul. The, it, I, I love you and you don't care. I don't know what's right and what's wrong. I have no idea what love is. You are destroying my life. That was the theme song of my freshman year with Annette. What is love? Friends, you have so many definitions that you've built up over time because of your experiences, of your hurts, of your joys, of the times you have been loved. And all these stories mashed together to your definition that you hold today. It's easy to understand why it's so confusing. We can really start to dig in and say, you know, it makes sense. All these people here today all have different, different, different definitions, but let's do this. Let's try something totally new. 
let this be the beginning of a new story for your definition. And this is your new story. Love is sacrifice. In the kingdom of God, love looks very, very different. Love gives, expects nothing back. Love is sacrificial and helps everyone around them. Friends, love is sacrifice. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.